rolling. What's happening, y'all? Andy and Zach, we are broadcasting from Studios 353 <laughs> here in East Nashville. And this is episode 69. Can you believe we've made it this far? I, every every and, week, I'm like, man. Andy is speechless. Honestly, every week, we got we got another podcast coming up. Man, just, just keep, like that. Just keep plugging away. You know what? There's a salient life and training lesson there. It's Shh. like that Monday rolls back around. And you're like, gotta do the thing. Gotta do it. Sometimes you feel like doing it. Sometimes you don't. We always do feel better. I don't think the the beer hurts this. Mm. You always, we always do feel better after the fact. Right. So it's kind of training. It's like you never really want to do it. But then after you're like, you know, what? I'm really glad I did that. Yep. Yeah. The feeling of walking out of the gym or especially in my case, out of the jujitsu studio mm-hmm. is like the best feeling. It's like, man, I've got that done. Everything else is cake. Oh. See, this is probably the reason why I like to train early in the mornings. And now all my morning times are booked. So I have to train in the afternoons. Mm, yeah. it's, it's tough. Um, well, when we were talking off air, that you you just started a new training program. I did. I think we're just diving right in today. Yeah, I think so. Well, so I am, I'm curious about it, and here's why. Um, I worked out, my schedule got hijacked. Uh, so we, you and I did not work out Saturday, which is fine. You were out of town. I was leaving town. Um, so we didn't do our Saturday work. So my previous workout was Friday, which is whatever, Miss Saturday. And then Monday, my, my schedule got hijacked and I couldn't, I didn't have time for a workout. I literally had no time to work out on Monday and I was really kind of put out by, it. I was like, Oh, it's my thing. It's my mm. one hour. It's my, my one hour that I get. And I didn't get it. That said, Tuesday I did train and it was trash i hated every second of it it was it was fine work got done but i wanted so badly to leave Mm. the whole time every rep every set i was like man what i would give to get in the car and go home right now but i still did it today was less so because i I slept better last night but i've been i'm struggling i'm kind of hitting a wall with my own training i've gotten to a point where I typically don't like to use the word motivation. I lack the motivation because it's not about motivation anymore. It's just plug and play. Mm-hmm. Show up, do the thing. There's no motivation involved. It's just plug and play. But it's been a little bit difficult this week. So I'm curious how your new training program is going. And if you want to talk about it in detail or, or not, that's, it's yours. You can do whatever you want. But sure. I'm just curious what you're doing. Yeah. Well, before I take the mic, so to speak. Was your workout not great because of energy? Because you were like busy, stressed? Uh, you just weren't too psyched about the workout you were doing? Would you have rather been doing something like working uh, like uh, a different body part split? Or what was what was the case? Why didn't you want to be there? Yes, to all, all the above, those things. All of those things. Okay, I sure. literally was looking for any reason to not do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, I, I think in large part what I'm finding as I've gotten a little bit older is that. Um, so I mentioned off air Monday we hosted, and I didn't get to bed till like ten ten thirty. Sure. And got sure. up at four, and had a sort of heavy meal. Had 
homemade pie and homemade ice cream. So was, I was off diet and had a, you know, a couple drinks and then got up at four o'clock the next morning. So, and then Tuesdays are my long days. They're my, my biggest day of the mm. week. So it was at the end of all that while also running errands in my free time. And I don't have, I don't have, I don't run air conditioning in my 1985 truck and it was hot. Right, and I was, I was right. all over town. I had to go to the airport and, and was on Briley Parkway. So I was roasting in my car. So, and that's draining. And then the car has an issue that I have to fix. Now, it got me to work and got me home, but there's an issue that I have to fix. And so I was stressed about it because I didn't know what it was. And I hate showing up to work and having a problem that yeah. needs to be solved. So so all of the above. Okay. Yeah. Uh, do you ever take like a week to maybe 10 days and you just like only do just like the token amount of exercise just like a little arms maybe like a couple sets of squats like just you know at the tail end of like your work day do you ever you ever take like a full like one to two weeks and like you go completely off script um, in that in that type of way well right now i'm going i said i'm going off script there are some staple lifts, but I don't have. I'm, I'm not working on a program. Right. So like today, my my lower body session was safety squat. Actually, it was single leg RDLs and hanging leg raises to warm up. Then safety squat, and I did nothing in between. I was like, I just mm-hmm. again because I was like, ugh, safety squat only. Then I went barbell RDLs. Now that felt. Su- both the safety squat and the barbell RDLs felt surprisingly good. Now, here's what I did with the safety squat. It's been kicking my ass. I don't know what it is. You know, I've been busy at work. But squatting has been punching me in the jaw in a bad way. Yeah. So I throttled my numbers back, like way back. And I and then I throttled my volume back on it. And today it felt good. And then my barbell RDL was 225 for 3x8. And it felt like butter. It was hard. Mm-hmm. It felt really good. And then hip thrusts and walking lunges as a finisher. And that was actually, it wasn't so bad. I actually kind of like that. Point being, that's not a written program. I just, in my head, I was like, these are the couple things that I want to work on today. I'm going to do that with a really high level of intensity, which is what I did. Well, that's, yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah, that's so it's four things. Yeah, that's going to go along with our theme for today right but one of the reasons why i bring that up and when i say off script i really kind of mean more like off the grid of training kind of like completely like when i when when a lot of things kind of build up like for me um training is a is a priority for me but it's not it's not stuck at the top as like a top like three top three priority mm-hmm. like when things are going smooth like life is easy we've got plenty of time low stress like of course it's it's right there like okay. near the top okay but i'm not afraid to let it drop for a week maybe two weeks hmm. and like in my case it might be something like you know for example putting work into like the product launch you sure. know with like the the latest uh, kettlebell book and whatnot uh obviously programming training everything that we do as coaches both in the gym 
and online content creation, doing all this stuff. Sometimes like I know when all these things are really coalescing around like a really hard three-day period, I, I have no problem taking those three days and maybe more off, especially then if I know that two days later, there's going to be another two or three day like wave. And so maybe I only get in like one lift a week for a couple weeks. Um, I've done that a few times and it doesn't feel good. You know mm. what I mean? It's like, mm, I probably should be, you know, getting my exercise in. And those are also sometimes the days where you only get a few thousand steps mm-hmm. in and you kind of feel, um, you know, a little, a little sluggish, a little bit like a, uh, a sloth or a slug <laughs> depending. But those are also, I think valuable because it gives you the space to get hungry again. There's something to that I think as well. I mean, obviously we know that consistency all else being equal is like, like the top priority in training, but like I, for one, am willing to, uh, maybe you could say like backslide a little bit on my progress in order to get through a big hump of work, you know, just, just get through a, a mountain of work that's been piling up. And then I just process all that. And I know that in a matter of three to five days, it's going to be behind me. I'm going to have an open morning or an open afternoon on my schedule. And I'm going to be hungry to get after it. Um, no, I, I don't, I, I, I know I do understand where you're coming from. And typically what I do is like, if I, I have like planned time off, like for example, um, next week I leave for Charleston and I have no intention of doing any exercise aside from maybe walking on the beach, none. And I'm very much looking forward to that period in my, my life where I get to take time off or take time away from the gym, hang out with some friends. I'm looking forward to that. So I'm sort of looking at that as like that. My break is coming mm. in, a, in, a, in a week or so. Um, no, the way that I think I would, I process it. The, the training is, is sort of me time. It's like, for me, I call it self care. I'm going to call it. That's what I'll call it. It's self care. I like training. No, I, there are days where I like it better, better than most. Uh, let me, let me rephrase this. Do you draw a bubble bath and pour yourself a glass of wine? And then I dip under that bar and I squat it. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Um, Love no, that. Um, uh, let me rephrase. The pain of not training exceeds the pain of training for me mm. at this point in my life. Now that sounds, that might sound to our, our listeners that like I'm obsessive. And that's not the case. It's just I prefer to check that box. It'd be like going to bed without brushing your teeth where you're like, mm. you know, I'm fine. I know that my teeth are fine, but there's something that just feels a little bit off about not brushing my teeth before I go to bed. And so I'm just like, Ugh. that's how I feel. It's like, I wish I could have gotten that, that session in today. I didn't. And I'm just like, yeah. I would have felt a little bit better had I done it, mm. and and I try I try to keep that in perspective, and not let it rule my life. Yeah, where I'm like, oh, 
can't have friends over till seven tonight because I really got to get to the gym. That's right. not what I did. And I was like, you know what? I actually had a, a moment where I was like, I could, in theory, drop Megan and the dog. We went to the park to walk the dog because that is more important to me. Um, drop her, race to the gym at like 4.30 in the afternoon with traffic and everything and gym five. Race to the gym try to bang out a session really fast, get back in the car, race back to the house, and hope to get a shower or something in before people come over mm. that we're hosting. I was like, that feel, the stress of trying to do that, to squeeze that in, is too great. I was like, you yeah. know what? No, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to force that on myself because I know that'll make me anxious or whatever. So, um, no, I, I'm very much a plug-and-play kind of person. I would prefer to have... A not awesome workout than no workout at all. Mm, sure. Which sounds counterintuitive because when I go on vacation, I don't work out at all. <laughs> well, yeah, I think this is, I think this maybe just kind of shows a little bit of our maybe personality difference. Sure. It's because I will go, um, it, your comparison of how it feels to go for a, you know, a night without brushing your teeth is kind of spot on. Um, and so I, I think maybe I just kind of have a part of my personality that is willing to, I don't know if self-sacrifice is the word, but willing to kind of, willing to kind of forego certain things in order just to keep my blinders on to like finish like a project or or get get the workload down so to speak but you know that's that's just me and it doesn't happen very often and i would say it's maybe something that happens like once every three months or so three or four months right well and, and i will agree with you i was telling megan this the other day and i might i might have told you this but I'm, i've gotten to be so busy at work that in an effort to stay on top of programs like workouts that i'm writing for people and keep the gym clean or purchase equipment or, or you know, I've got waters and Red Bulls in the mini fridge or the bathroom needs cleaning. I'm getting to a point where my schedule is so busy that if I have an hour to train, I can do one or the other, but I can't do both. I can either stay on top of workout, like programs, writing and updating programs, cleaning the gym, maintaining whatever. I can do that and drink some coffee. Or I can work out, but I cannot do both. Mm. I don't have the time. Mm -hmm. So I'm starting to get to a point where while I'm at work, I'm only working. So like Monday, part of the reason that I missed my workout was because I had an hour to work out. But I was like, you know what? I really need to update these programs. I also need to run to Target to get some like supplies. If I don't do these things right now, I don't know when I'm going to do them. Mm -hmm. Or I'm going to have to stay later today than I want to um, in order to get it done. I, oh, and we were hosting, so I had to get groceries. I literally stuffed groceries in my mini fridge at work. So I was like, I can go get my groceries that I need to get. I can do programs. I can get, buy this equipment. I bought 8 and 12-pound dumbbells at Target. I can I can check off these three boxes that I have to get done today or need, would like to get done today, or I can train and check the one box. Mm -hmm. I chose the three, 
And I'm starting to get that way at work at my own gym where I'm, I don't train there as much as I once did. I actually train there probably only a couple times a week now and spend more time at gym five. And I'm trying, I guess in a weird way, I'm trying to get some separation between work mode and my own training. And yeah. so if I'm at work and I have a break, do work stuff. Stay on top of work because that's, at the end of the day, I have to, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then later in the day, go to gym five and fuck off yeah. or whatever. Well, if nothing else, I hope this is an illuminating conversation for either our clients or other folks who assume that we're just workout machines, gym junkies, and that we just we're just in the gym lifting weights all the time. And yeah, when I have these conversations with certain clients, like you know. I have my own struggles around training, motivation, Mm -hmm. same thing around nutrition. And yeah, it's always funny when, you know, people go, really? Well, I'm like, yes, I'm, I'm a fallible human and I'm a not, it's also funny. Someone also asked me recently if I was addicted to working out and I was like, well, I mean, obviously we can we can maybe haggle over the technical definition of addiction, yeah. that, that whole thing. But I think the more appropriate way of kind of looking at it is, again, going back to what you said. It's like, it's like brushing your teeth. Mm-hmm. Like it feels good and it's not always fun to do it in real time, but you always feel better after you do it. Yeah. And the feeling only lasts, you know, it's only temporary, so you have to do it every day. Yeah. You have to do it, you know, obviously in the case of brushing your teeth, multiple times a day, in case of working out multiple times a week, but it's like, who's addicted to brushing their teeth? Nobody. Well, I'm sure there are. I'm sure there are. Yeah. But you could say, like, practically, like, most people do it on a regular occasion because it's a habit, and it's a habit that feels good, but nobody would say that they're, like, addicted to it, so... I would say it's kind of like a, a more potent, a kind of a stronger version of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So that's, that's a good way of putting it. Well, and, and back to your question, I, I have toyed with the idea when things, like when life gets busy. I thought about this today because I did four things. Well, if you include my warm-up, I did six things. But whatever. The warm-up is take it or leave it. But I did four major lifts. That's it. Only four. For a lower lower body session. And I've thought about this more recently. I was like, what if when things got tight, I was like, you're allowed to do only one thing or only two things. Say one or two things in an entire session. So like, you know, if I'm going to work out four, you know, three, four, five times a week, you show up to the gym, you only get two exercises. What are they going to be? And to your point, when we talked about something kind of relevant off air, that eliminates a lot of junk volume because if I'm only given two things to do, I'm probably going to go pretty hard on those two things. And it eliminates some of the mental stress of can I get A, B, C, D, and E done in 60 minutes or 40 minutes or whatever time frame I have because I'm tight on time. I get two things. And if you're going to do the two things, they should be big bang for your buck things, and they should count for something. So no junk volume, no messing around with this or that, you know, no rolling around on the ground. Fuck it up for two exercises, and that's all you get. 
and I'm, I'm sort of toying with this idea right now and I haven't put it on paper. I haven't like put it to the test. Um, I think Dan John has a, a program, uh, easy strength, I think is only two exercises, I believe. One or two exercises, easy strength. Uh, basically. I think, it's, if I remember right. It's usually, if memory serves me right, it's usually something like one day, like deadlift and pull up, and the other day, like bench and... Maybe bench and squat? No, squat is... Well, no, it's funny. Squat is the obvious lift that he leaves out of easy strength because um, to his point, it's like, like the volume scheme to like get stronger and to get like more out of it doesn't quite follow the same parameters as the easy strength volume. Because easy strength is like 10 reps, right? It's basically 10 reps, like three by three, five by two, two by five. Yeah. Yeah. Practically every single day. So I think I think the big lifts are deadlift and deadlift variations, bench, military press, and then like pull ups, ab wheel. Hmm. That's that's like basically it. Yeah, but you only get ten reps. So not right. only do you only do two exercises, you only get ten reps per exercise. Right. As far as creative constraints are concerned, that's pretty limited. That's a fairly narrow, but also super intense training session i mean if you're doing it right to your point if you can hit a top set multiple times was it really a top set to begin with right so i kind of like that idea so i've been toying with the idea of doing something like that now that Mm. things have gotten to be a little bit tight schedule wise um i haven't committed to it but you know maybe we'll we'll circle back Mm. and talk about it but i do think it, it does this whole idea this whole theme that we're talking about falls in line with what you said on Twitter today. <laughs> on my, my fake Twitter account. Your fake Twitter account that you can screenshot and post to the The Instagram. Twitter that only Instagram sees Yeah, is, is what it is. Um, okay, I'm going to quote it if that's okay with you. Please. Okay. If you're not following East National, at East National Kettlebell or Zach Henderson, you can't follow you on Twitter, can you? Because you're private. Correct. Okay, so don't look for him on so Twitter. So don't even try to find me on Twitter. So... At Zach Henderson on Instagram or at East National Kettlebell, which is the one I shared. Quote, when it comes to strength training, intensity is greater than complexity. Many of the best workout programs can fit on a napkin. Now, do you want to say why this, um, what inspired this post? It's actually funny. What inspired that post was actually a little bit in the caption. So the caption, the basically the, the first line of the caption was, I'm flabbergasted when a fitness book is longer than seven pages. Mm, okay. Now, I'm pretty sure you've published some books that are longer than that. To be fair, I have. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, I have. But like the meat and potatoes can be distilled into like three pages. Right. You know? So um, I, I did think of that as I was posting it. So um, maybe a little hypocrisy there, but again, the the gist of everything can, can be distilled down. So 
Like, for example, you actually are currently loaning me a book that mm-hmm. I'm enjoying so far. Move Your DNA by yeah. Katie Bauman. Bowman? Mm-hmm. Bauman? Yeah. And I like it so far. I'm like two or three chapters in. And she's obviously doing like a deep dive. Mm-hmm. That book is over 200 pages. Hmm. Even a book like that could probably be cut in half. Yeah. I like her writing style, though. She's actually an entertaining writer. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. Yeah. Now, granted, being an entertaining writer mm-hmm. and, you know, really soaking up all the nuances that you may or may not really need sure. for the layperson, absolutely. Um, but, like, can we take, like, the gist of something and put it on a napkin? Probably. Yeah, probably. Yeah. So, all that to say, we're not talking about getting a... D- a deep understanding in biomechanics. We're talking about strength training. Sure. So that's why I say when it comes to strength training, intensity over complexity. So uh, again, most of us don't need more information. We need a certain set of basic creative constraints, mm-hmm. speaking to your point, that keeps us on track, that like keeps the blinders on. Mm-hmm. And again, uh, Again, to kind of play both sides of this coin here, someone like Dan John, who's written thousands of pages of articles and books, Mm -hmm. you can still fit all of his programs on a napkin. Mm -hmm. Like Easy Strength, the book, I think is over 200 pages. The program can fit on a napkin. I was going to say, it's like two exercises, five days a week or so. Ten reps. Ten reps. That's it. That's it. That's it. So, practically speaking, when we're talking about like taking action, that's all you really need. Certainly, if you want to nerd out and you're interested in science and nuance and context and how how things fit together, maybe for you know unique situations and different goals and things. Yeah, that warrants longer conversation that warrants more content all that good stuff but yeah what what prompted that post was just thinking like how easy it is for like us as coaches to get so caught up in the details that we don't ultimately come out with the gem hmm. that like Dan John does. So like Dan John will put his time in to the experience, the research, but he'll come out on the other side with a napkin program. Mm-hmm. I wish more of us did that. Mm-hmm. I wish more of us were just, you know, again, it comes back to this whole idea of creating more opportunities for success and less barriers when it mm-hmm. comes to like when it comes to fitness. And speaking more directly to the point in my experience and the experience like with my clients the breakthroughs happen when we can manipulate programming schemes to allow for more intensity. Mm-hmm. Not to simply build things that are just needlessly complex. 
Hmm. And some people might find that surprising coming from Zach Henderson, who to some people might seem overly complex. Hmm. And, and I've been accused of, of such. But again, there's a difference between being like super detail-oriented, being super in the weeds with like technique, which I very much am, but all, but all of that stuff is in service to helping someone work harder and smarter. Mm-hmm. And that's really it. That's really it. So, yeah, when, when people are thinking like, oh, like what's missing? What's, what's missing for my fitness lifestyle? What's missing for my workout program? Usually you're not, usually you're not working hard enough. Yeah, <laughs> and that can mean different things for different people, and it's it's not. I'm not here to berate people for not working harder because again, the first half of this podcast has all been about how difficult it can be to manage mm-hmm. training with a real person's schedule. Mm-hmm. So I'm not I'm not on a high horse or on a soapbox, you know, just berating people, yelling through a megaphone to just work harder, but. The trick is to figure out how you can find that lane, how you can find those creative constraints that allow you to work harder mm-hmm. in a consistent way. So that was the inspiration behind that hmm. that post. Yeah. Well, and it is tricky because we live in a world where we live in the Instagram world. Mm. We don't live in the Instagram world. We observe the Instagram world. And on Instagram, when it comes to fitness, like you see some really wacky, complex stuff. And it's cool. And and the people who are capable of doing that kind of stuff is kind of... It's neat. I, I will admit, I like watching it. I think it's cool. Um, but it's not super practical, especially for like the gym pop client. And so... It, it can be difficult, and you and I have talked about this off air, and, and we've probably talked about this a couple times. What I do in my gym is, is is a careful balance of trying to maintain just the basics at a pretty intense level, while also sprinkling in some variety, some tempo, change of pace, you know, change things up a little bit. That um, that's a lot more challenging than people really know. To do that because I, I know what they want. Not the Instagram stuff, and we'll talk about it. We're not gonna do the Instagram crazy shit. But like there's some stuff that we could do that we can sprinkle in within reason. But at the same time, do I think it's it's satisfying one aspect of the coaching experience of like variety and like fun. Like we training ought to be fun sometimes. You and I do Saturday lifts and they're fun. They're intense most of the time. They're fun because they are unstructured and unplanned for the most part, right? They are intense and I would argue basic, but they are fun because it's unstructured. So you and I both enjoy going off script pretty frequently. It can be difficult when you're working with a client who has goals and you're like, okay, well, A, B, and C are going to work towards your goals. And we need to do these at a, like a decent level in terms of technique, safety, efficacy, all that. 
And in terms of intensity, we need to add some weight, add some reps, whatever. We need to push the limits. But I also understand that people like to be, for lack of a better word, entertained in their training. I hope that in my own gym, between the music and how ostentatious I am as a human being, that that satisfies a portion of that. Mm. But it can be tricky because people do like variety. I'm not going to discourage people from exploring variety, but I think variety gets in the way of progress more often than not. So what you and I do as coaches is a careful dance of, you know, reinforcing good technique, reinforcing intensity of, you know, to, to your point about the tweet, reinforcing intensity and consistency and trying to, in some way, maybe throw in a little bit of variety or variability here and there just to make things, to keep things kind of interesting. Typically, the way that I do this in practical terms is I vary the warm-up and I vary the finisher. Mm. Mean potatoes in the middle, those middle 40 minutes or whatever it is, same shit, slightly different way of doing it. Either more intense and less reps, less intense and more reps, maybe incline press versus a flat press, whatever. But by and large, the exact same shit over and over and over again. Where I try to introduce that variety is on the on the bookends. Yeah. Yeah. Something that's maybe just slightly tangential. I was reading some Alex Viata content earlier yeah. today. He's a he's, monster. He's yeah. He's something else. Uh, for those who are not familiar, he has kind of ascended to the top of both the endurance and strength and aesthetic yeah worlds so to speak complete human performance correct yeah i think that's his company his website i have i think i own one of his ebooks or two something like that yeah so i'm i haven't you know i'm not a uh i'm I'm not super well versed on a lot of his content but i am i am familiar with him but yeah i mean you want to talk about somebody who walks the walk who is well researched obviously super intelligent but the most important thing is that he's out there he's mm-hmm. he's in the trenches both as an athlete himself and as a coach researcher uh research gatherer all that good stuff but he had a post the other day that i always kind of had a little bit of a hunch about which was that Progressive overload is still like the magic of like strength training, mm-hmm. but it's it doesn't always have to show up in black and white on the program. In the sense that you can do the same workout week over week over week and still experience progressive overload mm-hmm. each time you do it. And that's something that I had always like kind of intuitively like understood. Like you don't have to add weight every week. You don't have to add reps or volume every week. Like progress will still happen. Um, You can almost think of it as like a, you know, linear progression would be just like a 45 degree line, Mm -hmm. you know, up your graft. Um, 
I'm oftentimes a big fan of like stepwise programming where it's, you know, a short vertical line mm-hmm. straight up and then a long horizontal line, mm-hmm. a little vertical up, long horizontal. And that long horizontal is where the bonehead version of, you know, what I would consider like you're just letting the weights marinate, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. And kind of his his actual like <laughs> scientific way of of expressing that was, you know, if you're doing a certain weight at at ten reps, the first week you might just for the sake of example, um, you know, you might hit quote unquote progressive overload at rep four, and so like it's reps five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten that are hard mm-hmm. and that are creating like the training stimulus. Sure. Now of course there's a lot of gray area in all of this, but I think the example holds true. But his point was, is that you get a little bit stronger and then you do the exact same set next week. And again, just for the sake of example, you're stronger, but you don't have to add a rep. Mm -hmm. You don't have to go heavier because now you're still experiencing the benefits of progressive overload because now the overload comes in rep six. Mm -hmm. So you're still getting six, seven, eight, nine, ten that chunk of those reps that are contributing to your progress Mm -hmm. ad nauseum so you extrapolate that out over the next six weeks you can take that you can you can marinate on that one set of 10 for you know theoretically four to six weeks and you're not going to maximize everything that you can get out of that set up until that point Mm -hmm. practically speaking in layman's terms until all 10 reps are easy. Mm-hmm. Only at that point do you stop experiencing uh, what might be considered you know, progressive overload, and then you would add weight, or then you would add reps, or change up the volume schemes, or whatever the case may be. So, so seeing him kind of uh, lay that out in a way that... Um, was both scientific and made horse sense mm-hmm. uh, was very illuminating for me, and it kind of it kind of validated a hunch that I had had about doing a program for four weeks with minimal variation, mm-hmm. but just trying to make the weights feel easier week over week. I really like this because I, I have a couple clients that there are some lifts that we have not progressed as far as like the numbers on the board for a while but they have gotten easier um i've had a hard time uh, explaining this because you know early phases of a training program you see like a five or ten pound jump in your bench press depending on your training age or or just uh, chronological age you might see a five or ten pound jump in your bench press like week over week at first And then you start to hit those plateaus and then you start to get frustrated. I know that I've gotten frustrated where my weights have plateaued at a certain, you know, spot or whatever. So, um, I do need to keep this in mind and then probably explain it to my clients. Um, because I have a couple of them that have, um, on paper plateaued or stagnated, but to your point or to Alex Viata's point, um, it's not stagnation because, um, 
more of those reps are feeling easier. To your example, 10 reps, you know, five through 10 probably felt hard week one, six through 10 felt hard week two, seven through 10, so on and so forth. So it's something that I need to keep in mind. I did say this today in one of my sessions. Um, I was I was actually talking with a client who we were benching, and he ended up about two reps shy of what I thought he could do, which was fine. I don't care. Um, and so we sort of reworked the program slightly so that we could get a couple more reps in today than I thought that we would get. Or, or I expected a certain amount. We kind of fell below that, and I was like, "No big deal. We're just gonna add, tack on an extra set. Just get, you know, just get a good feel for it. Plus, he's new, so the, it's good rep practice, like barbell bench. More, it's just good practice for doing the thing. That said, I don't think it really matters for most people most of the time. That's the caveat to what I'm about to say. For most people, most of the time, whether you're doing five reps. 8 reps, 10 reps, 12 reps, 15 reps, 20 reps. Doesn't matter. As long as the last few reps are close to or at muscle failure. So if you pick up a weight, now there, there might be some slight differences as far as like muscle building, but for the most part not. It basically anything between like 6 and 20 reps is good to go. As long as the last few reps are challenging, we are hitting progressive overload, we are causing muscle damage, we are building strength, we are building muscle, we're doing all good things. If that's at 8 reps or 15 reps, is largely irrelevant for most people most of the time. And I try, I bring that up with them because I was like, look, it, it doesn't matter, I don't care what weight you picked up. It could be a lighter weight, it could be a heavier weight. As long as whatever we're doing gets close to muscle failure, we're reaping the benefit. So if we get a lighter weight and you do more reps, great, perfect. If, if I told you 12 and you can get 15, rip 15. I don't care. Just, but I do want those last few reps of whatever we're doing to be a challenge within reason, obviously. Like if we're squatting or, or benching and there's risk involved with failing, then we'll talk about it. Like, hey, I'm, I'm going to be back here spotting you. You probably won't need me, but I'm going to be back here just in case. So with a couple exercises, failure, if true failure would be a problem. But it doesn't really matter what the weight is. So long as it's close to muscle failure in the moment, we're making good progress. Mm-hmm. And I tell them that all the time. I'm like, I don't care. 25 pounds, 30 pounds, 20 pounds. Whatever you feel like one arm rolling right now, Grab that, grip and rip, just make sure that it is hard towards the end, and we're all good. Yeah. Yeah, man. Again, these are all principles that we can fit on one page. Yeah, I agree. You know? um, the, the only nuance to that that maybe that I would add, and this kind of goes back to another thing that we were talking about, is... Uh, I think maybe one of the trickier things, kind of bridging this idea to Alex Viata's example, is maybe once we, maybe once the lifter does get to the point where those ten reps, they're still they're still challenging, you know, because I mean, hey, at a certain time, you're using a certain amount of weight, like it's going to be challenging, just you know, just because of the nature of physics. 
but it may also not be contributing to the stimulus of progressive overload. So at a certain point in time, like if you if you don't bump up in weight or if you don't manipulate the training scheme, those 10 reps at that weight might still feel challenging, but they're not contributing to the training process. Right. right. And that's where that might be considered what we call junk volume, mm-hmm. where it's hot, like you might break a sweat, like it's hard, but it's not actually contributing to the to the principle of progressive overload. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's uh, when, when we kind of hit like that junk volume, like gray zone, kind of like middle middle area, we kind of have, we have a few different tools in the toolbox, but it comes back to this one thing that we were talking about off air before the, before the podcast, which is um, something that is, seems to be pretty common in endurance events like running is where I've heard it, you know, most, but I think this can also apply to strength training is, is that the hard, you know, in endurance, you might say the hard runs or, you know, in our case, the hard lifts are not hard enough Mm -hmm. and the easy workouts, the easy runs, the easy lifts are not easy enough. Mm Mm-hmm. So people are kind of perpetually kind of stuck in this hard-ish middle ground. Mm -hmm. So one of the cool things about easy strength, easy is right in the name, one of the stipulations of that particular program is is that the weights shouldn't feel that hard. Mm -hmm. Now, again, you might think, well, this totally violates everything that we've been talking about up Mm -hmm. until now. Well, you also kind of have to consider the neurological adaptations that happen. Right. That can happen with submaximal weights, but you also see the beauty of how this all fits together. Because the thing that people oftentimes forget with something like easy strength is you're doing it every day. Mm-hmm. It's not a three-day-a-week program. That's right. It's, it five, does, it's five days, right? It's at least five. At least five. That's that's kind of the idea, is that you're doing it all the time yeah so you're fine-tuning your nervous system for these lifts Mm -hmm. which is very powerful in its own right but if you're only lifting you know twice to even like four times a week then the more traditional style of pushing that harder intensity is what you kind of have to do Mm -hmm. to move the needle but if you have the luxury of training every single day then that easy strength approach, at least for a season of training, can be very, very powerful. Because again, it's it's fine-tuning your nervous system to to these specific lifts. And again, that's why like something like easy strength doesn't work for like every exercise. Mm-hmm. There's like a few that it you know, again, I'm kind of piggybacking and standing on the shoulders of Dan John here, but like squats. Back squats, front squats, a squat just by the nature of the the exercise is something that kind of begs for higher volume, higher intensity, because it is just such a, a taxing full body lift um, that you can't really get away with doing it 
seven days a week mm-hmm. and get like the progress that you're that you're looking for in that particular scenario um so there is that too it's like intensity we could say hey intensity on the one side of like actually pushing the weight actually pushing the rate of perceived exertion the rpe but we can also be just as quote-unquote intense on technique work mm-hmm. on the quote-unquote easier side of the spectrum um, which can elicit a training response in its own way mm-hmm. so that's that's part of the mix there too but if you're not careful and you don't you know if, if you don't actually respect like the differences and adaptations that are happening with different styles of training then what happens is with so many people you just you're in this whirlpool swirly swirl here in the middle where you kind of get a little hard, then you kind of get a little soft, mm-hmm. and then you're just kind of um, always kind of working in the the big middle mm-hmm. as opposed to taking advantage of the extremes. Mm-hmm. I think that's like where junk volume comes in, and um, that's it's kind of a it, it's a bit of a trap because you don't you still feel like you're working, but you've ceased taking full advantage of the training process. Mm-hmm. I want to piggyback off this with with two things that I think are related. The first is um, in terms of junk volume and ramp sets. So I've sometimes, I don't know if you ever get this, I sometimes get the complaint of, we're going to do another set. I'm like, yeah, we are going to do another set. And usually it comes after doing a couple ramp sets of something that we're working on in the gym, like like bench press, for example. So, actually, there's three things I want to touch about on this. Um, so, if you're if you have some decent level of strength, you have to warm up to whatever your working weight is going to be, right? That might if, now, if you're relatively speaking not that strong, that might be only a couple minor sets, and then we're right there working. For some of my stronger or medium strength clients. It might take us three or four like ramps to get to where we need to be. And then we're working. So it might end up being like six sets or seven sets or eight sets or whatever it ends up being. And I've had a complaint from one particular client, but, but from uh, not a complaint, complaint from one client, comments from many clients, like we're going to do it again. Like another, I thought we were going to only do three sets. I'm like, those three sets were warm up sets. So, I bring this up, and I don't know. I mean, our audience might know this better than some, but like a couple things here. Most of us, myself included, can't just slap 225 on the bar and grip and rip anymore. Like, it just doesn't happen. And that's fine. That's okay. But like, maybe we do 95 pounds, depending on your strength. 95 pounds. Tell you what, you know what I do when I warm up for a bench press? Now, my bench is terrible because my shoulders are both shot. I warm up with an empty bar. And then I warm up with 95 pounds. And then I'll jump to 135, maybe 155. And then depending on what I'm doing that day, we'll kind of tease it out from there. But, you know, that's how I do things. I warm up with an empty bar. I make all of my clients warm up with an empty bar first. Part of the reason, unrelated to what we're talking about, is did I set the rack right? Mm. Or do I, do I need to move my J-arms? Most of the time, I need to move the J-arms again because I think that they're taller than they actually are. 
or I think that their reach is taller than they actually are. So I have to move my J arms around. So I'm like, rip the empty bar. I'm just going to take a look at what you're doing and then adjust. Right. All that said, the other day I was squatting. I went from, I was doing my ramp sets, got to 205. I wanted to be in the neighborhood of 275. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to make the jump from 205 to 255. It's simpler, easier, faster to get to get me where I'm going. It's well within my means. I'm just going to do that. And then you know what happened? I tweaked something in my hip flexor on my right side. Oof. And then it, it hurt. En- it didn't like kill me, but it hurt enough that the rest of the squat workout was trash. Mm. And so you can't roll that back. You can't just like take a couple steps back and be like, all right, I'm just going to shake it out and do it again. Like it, it tweaked hard enough that it it just derailed the rest of the squat workout because I got my, you know my ego got in the way and I was like I'm just gonna make the jump. So you and I have talked about warm ups. Point of warm ups is just grease the groove, get tissue ready, work your way up, whatever. Um, but I do sometimes get that pushback on like ramp sets and I'm like, look, we're getting rep practice, we're warming up tissues, we're reducing our injury risk potential. I'm not going to say we might not get hurt because there's always risk, but we're reducing our risk by taking a stepwise approach to these ramp sets. Um, but back to the junk volume thing, when we start getting closer and closer to whatever their working weight is, let's say you, we're going to do three sets of eight. I'm not going to have you do empty bar. I'll have you do empty bar for 10. I might have you go, we're going to talk in safety bar terms. 115 for 10 we might go to 135 or 155 for five we might go to 175 for three we might go to 195 for a double and then do working sets 205 by eight part of the reason is i don't need to waste time resources energy whatever on junk volume getting to where we need to be so if you and i are working out we're trying to ramp up to, let's say, 315 pounds for sets of five. Around 275, I might be like, hey, just rip a double to get used to the weight change. 295, give me a double, get used to the weight change. 315, now we're working. Yeah. Again, so volume, practice, uh, injury risk reduction, no junk volume, or you know whatever we're going to talk about. The I don't want my people wasting time and energy and resources on bullshit ramp sets but i also want them to understand the point and the efficacy of having those ramp sets it's a it's a subject that i talk about probably at least once or twice a week mm-hmm. with my clients it's like yes you're right we are doing another set and you know what we're going to do probably three to five more after that so like get used to get used to this rack over here because you're going to be hanging out with it for a while yeah yeah there's a fine art and science to ramp up warm up sets yeah. Especially the stronger you get. Yeah. And there's there's many different approaches and it's certainly different like on, on the person. But uh, yeah, that's fun, really fine tuning the the ramp up idea. Cause yeah, it's it's always a matter of like reverse engineering the end goal. Mm-hmm. Which it is for all of training. But uh, yeah, it's funny like with warm up sets, it's like you're reverse engineering like the last set of the last working set. Mm-hmm. 
and then you're working all the way backwards from there, and then you're working backwards from the last warm up, and then work backwards from that. So it's all a matter of how you're setting yourself up to maximize the next set. And that sounds obvious, but you also have to consider like each of those sets has a different job to do. One of those sets, or you know, any given set might have a priority of warming you up or technique mm -hmm. or getting used to a weight or you know priming you know for the next weight or even going heavier than your working set and then dropping back down so you have like a you know what i call like the cupcake effect mm -hmm. like oh or you know this weight does not feel nearly as heavy because you did a single or a double at something heavier and you drop down so yeah, and, and it depends on the exercise, it depends on the lift, it depends on the weather, it depends on the lifter. So, yeah, when people ask for like a, uh, like a standardized way of warming up, there's, there's some common sense rules, but I try to have everybody think about like, what, what is the role of this set? What is the job of this set? Mm -hmm. What's the most important thing? That will set you up for success for the next one and that will mean different things for different people over the course of time literally over the course of the the session so yeah yeah and and the whole thing of like putting on just the right number of plates just to do one mm -hmm. and then taking them off and then, you know plate management especially when you're talking about squats mm -hmm. if you're squatting over like 225 plate management you know deadlifting heavy deadlifting over 315 plate management that's uh that's fun those are those are some of the workouts in lifetime fitness that i do not miss it's just going from <laughs> one side of the rack to the other boom 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 plates on plates off yep yeah but yeah man well just like that we're we're creeping up on an hour here isn't that wild that is wild um but yeah yeah um that post that tweet post literally came to me two hours ago hmm. so i just i just popped it out and i was like oh i bet andy's gonna want to talk about this yeah <laughs> and now we had, we had a subject matter i was like shoot what are we gonna talk about I saw that. I was like, that's what we're gonna talk about there you go um no you know um it's tricky you know and it's a fight that you and i probably both fight every day as far as like trying to maintain some level of intensity over complexity because Again, between Instagram and CrossFit and the stuff that's going on in the world, it's really easy to get sucked into that and be like, oh, what are they doing? And why, why can't we do this fun stuff? And, and sometimes the answer is because you're not ready for it. You're not strong enough. Uh, but sometimes because the, the complexity would probably more than likely um, inhibit progress more than like augment it. To be honest, it probably would. The more complexity that I throw at my general population clients means that they're probably going to make very little, if any, progress. It'll look fun. It'll look flashy. They might get sweaty and they might burn some calories. But aside from those qualities, which that might be all they want. But aside from those qualities, are we really building a skill set? Are we really getting stronger? Are we really building muscle? Are we like really making demonstrable progress in the gym? Depending on the complexity of the exercise, I don't know I can answer, if I can answer those questions. Yes, it looks cool. Might be fun. I don't think it's going to do us any good. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. 
Yeah. It was a good tweet post. Thanks, man. <laughs> Appreciate it. Cool, dude. Well, anything to wrap up on from there? Um, uh, I mean, on a personal note, I got to hear my baby's heartbeat again today. Oh, wow. That was cool. And it dropped. It went from like 171 to 172 to 150. Mm. But the nurse practitioner, whoever was working with us, she was like, anything between 110 and 180 is normal. So, and we got our blood work back. Everything's normal. So we're just plugging away, man. Stella. And by we, I mean she's doing a great job of uh, gestating a fetus. Right. <laughs> Hypertrophy phase. <laughs> she's funny because she's, she's been eating mostly like junk food. No, her appetite's normal now. She can eat pretty much whatever she wants. There was a while there she ate weird stuff. Um, and now it's mostly normal, but she's funny because she's like nutty buddies and ice cream and all sorts of like my word garbage food around the house. And she's like, this week our baby's the size of an apple, so we we call it the size we call it what it's the size of. There's an app that she uses. Mm. This week it's an apple. I don't know what next week it'll be, but last week was a lemon, so we call it, we called it lemon for the week. This week we're calling it apple. She's like, this is what Apple wants. Apple wants more Nutty Buddies. <laughs> okay. Mm. Well, I guess I'm going to get more Nutty Buddies at the grocery store. Dad life. And dad life. Yeah, Nutty Buddies. So, anyway. Um, but, yeah, on a personal note, we got to hear the heartbeat today. That was cool. So, yeah. I'm going to use the same excuse for my quads. My left quad needs, needs some buddies. Ben and Jerry's ice cream right now. <laughs> I mean, if you need calories and you need some carbs, my right bicep could use a cheeseburger. Uh, oh man! Yeah. yeah. Well, again, uh, I'm I'm super happy and uh, and excited for you guys, and yeah, I know you guys are going to be the best parents, and yeah, it'll be again. You know, one of the cool things about having like a consistent like real time content. Uh, schedule here is that you're gonna listen back on some of these episodes and you know maybe with your apple or your lemon when <laughs> when it can talk and understand words and you're gonna yeah, be able to sit I was around, talking about you sit around and listen to the podcast oh that's cute I hadn't really thought about that but yeah that's cute yeah, yeah. word mm-hmm. so I'm I'm glad I get to be a part of that yeah Cool. Yeah, I mean, you, you might have a, there might be a baby in this podcast at some point, right? I don't know for sure, but maybe. Yeah, we'll we'll find out. Yeah, dude, I I do great with babies. Okay, so if you need me to another how many? Uh, let's see, we're six months ish, five months out. We do four episodes a month, so maybe by episode one hundred ish. All right, ninety ninety ish, one hundred ish episode, we'll have a baby in the room. Whoa, Ooh. that's wild. Okay. Very special guest on the show today. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah. Cool, man. Well, that's it from us. Again, thank you so much for listening. A to Z, no BS. We'll see you next time. Goodbye.